Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. Good to have you with us today. We're in a series of lessons on Joseph. God meant it for good. There's a book by a fellow by the last name of Keller that's out. It's called God Meant It for Good. I've been reading this. It's been very interesting reading. At first, I wasn't sure about this book, but then uh, it's been very interesting and very encouraging um, to read that God, uh, the setbacks we have in life, God uses for good in our life. Next week, we're going to look at why me? Why do I have setbacks? What's the purpose of them? We're going to be looking at that. Uh, today, I want to look at uh, the second part of this idea of trusting God with our setbacks. Before we do that, look at this passage up on the screen. What's the purpose of, of the Old Testament? A lot of people say, you know, we're a New Testament church. Why should we bother with the Old Testament? Well, here's one of the things that Paul said. The Old Testament was important in the early church. He tells the church in Rome, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. So we find that the stories of the Old Testament, what's been recorded in the Old Testament, has a purpose and they're powerful. Here's how Paul says it. He says this, and notice on your notes as well as up here on the screen. In 2 Timothy, he reminds a young preacher named Timothy, Since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise enough to have faith in Christ Jesus and be saved. Everything in the Scriptures is God's Word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. Now, what are the Scriptures he's referring to? Well, obviously he's not referring to the New Testament because it hadn't been written yet. He's referring to the Old Testament. And he refers to those stories as Scriptures. And so the Old Testament is recorded for a purpose. It's to teach me what matters to God and how God works. The Old Testament explains who Jesus is and helps me in my faith in the Messiah, in the Christ. And they're written for today. They're written to help me today. I read this this morning. I found this. A guy named Erwin McManus. He wrote the book Chasing Daylight, uh, The Last Arrow, um, and, and the, the Heart of a Warrior. I've ordered a couple of these books. I've read uh, Chasing Daylight. He says this about stories. The Christian faith grew through story, not text. Only later did the stories become scripture. While the scripture must be held in the highest regard, we must not neglect the power of story. And that's exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at a story of a man, and it's very powerful. It's the story of Joseph. And last week we looked at uh, the seven setbacks Joseph went through. I've gotten lots of interesting feedback about this. Um, had one fellow say to me, he goes, you know, your last point about being forgotten by those you've helped really hit home, Tim. And um, I have to admit, it does hit home. And I don't know what setback you're going through. You, you know, you got Joseph went through rejection. He was it was in a pit, and then he's sold as a slave. He ends up in a guy named Potiphar's house. He's wrongly accused, only to end up in prison for a while. Then he's forgotten. But that that uh, all those setbacks ended up becoming stepping stones for a comeback. Everybody likes a good comeback story. Everybody knows about the Blues, how they hated each other. They had fist fights in practice. And then to not even realize you're fighting against a Stanley Cup champion and, and to see them come back. Everybody remembers when we were ten and a half games out of first place and the Cardinals come back. I always thought that'd be a great movie, ten and a half. That's what I'd call it. 
ten and a half games out and they come back and win the World Series. We love a good comeback. We love hearing about golfers or sports figures or anybody that's went through such hardship and, and you think how and they and they've come out on top. Joseph's one of those people. And he, and it's and how does he do that? How does he do that? Well, he he has he has this resilience and it comes from reliance. You want to be a resilient person? The secret is in your reliance, in your reliance to God. You want to be a resilient Christian man, a resilient Christian woman, a resilient Christian period. It comes from this reliance, this reliance on God. And that's what we see in the story of Joseph. That's what we can learn from him. That's what God wants us to see, how this man just hung in there after setback after setback, just kept going, kept going forward, kept doing the right thing. So how do I, what can I learn from Joseph? How do I... Trust God when I face a setback. Well, there's three things I need to depend on. The first one is this. I depend on God's presence no matter where I am. I mean, the two most common questions we ask when we're going through a setback is, why and where? Stop and think about it. Why is this happening to me? Why now? And where? Where are you, God? Where is this going? We have an example of this in in Psalms 42. The psalmist said this, Sometimes I ask God, why did you let me down? Why am I walking around in tears, harassed by enemies? They're out for the kill. They're tormentors with their obscenities, taunting day after day. Where is the God of yours? He's saying, I ask myself why, and they're asking where, and i got to admit, I'm wondering too. David would say these words in Psalms 10 up here on the screen. God... Are you avoiding me? Where are you when I need you? You see, that's what disappointments do to us. Disappointments make us feel like we're alone. We feel like we're the only person that's going through this. No one else is going through this. And see, the the, the truth is, you are not alone. I am not alone. When you're whatever step back you're going through now or whatever, whether you're in the middle of it or the beginning of it or near the end of it, God is there at the beginning, middle, and end. And see, you and I develop this resilience when, when you and I face our setbacks with faith. And one of the things we need to believe is God is with us. You know, God is with Joseph through every setback he faces. As Stephen is explaining the big story of God's redemption. He mentions three people in Acts 7. He mentions Abraham, he mentions Moses, and in the middle of it he mentions Joseph. And look what he says about Joseph. Jacob's sons became jealous of their brother Joseph and sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and brought him safely through all his troubles. Notice God didn't, didn't spare Joseph of trouble. He brought him safely through his trouble. God ain't going to spare you of trouble. Oh, you might, you might avoid some trouble. I, I, I'd like to think I avoid some trouble because I follow what God wants. I avoid some of the pitfalls of sin. But I've noticed also when, I, when I'm serious about following Christ, and when you're serious about following Christ, you run into trouble that way. Right? It happens all the time. And so God isn't going to spare us of trouble He says in this world you're going to have lots of trouble, but don't be afraid. Don't cave in. I've overcome the world. 
No, he, he's promised to bring us safely through it. Well, how does he do that? He's with us every step of the way. Let me read some scriptures to you that are not in your notes because there's just not enough room on paper. But here in Genesis 39, up here on the screen, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. You want to notice something here? Joseph is going through some bad stuff. He's rejected by his brother. God is with him in the pit. He's being sold to Potiphar, and God is with him there. And notice it says he prospers. Does that sound like something good is happening while he's in his setback? Yeah. God is working good while I suffer, while we suffer. In Genesis, going on in verse 39, in verse 3, Potiphar saw the Lord was with Joseph. Let me ask you something. Do people see the Lord is with you? You don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to have to say anything when the Lord is with you. Joseph never said, the Lord is with me, the Lord is with me. It just oozed out of him. They could see it in his life. Potiphar saw the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord made Joseph successful in everything he did. So Potiphar was very happy with Joseph and allowed him to be his personal servant. He put Joseph in charge of the house, trusting him with everything he owned. When Joseph was put in charge of the house and everything Potiphar owned, the Lord blessed the people in Potiphar's house because of Joseph. Let me ask you a question here. Do you Is God able to bless the workplace through you? Is, 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 the, is the home, is the neighborhood, wherever you are, is it blessed because the Lord is with you? Do people see that? You know, ever since you showed up, it's like things are really clicking. Ever since, and yet, yet Joseph is going through a setback. And everybody else is going through a rebound. And the Lord blessed everything that belonged to Potiphar, both in the house and out in the field. So Potiphar left Joseph in charge of everything he owned. All he worried about was what to eat. Notice in verse 39 here. So Potiphar put Joseph in, into prison, verses 20 through 22, where the king's enemies were held, and that is where Joseph remained. The Lord was with Joseph and continued to show his kindness to him. So the commander of the prison guards began to like Joseph. The commander of the guards put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. Joseph was their leader, but he still did the same work they did. God is with them in the pit. God is with him when he's being sold to Potiphar and when he's lied about. And God is with him when he's, he's in prison. And look at here in verse 23. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Let me ask you something. Whatever you're, what, are, what are you going through right now? Just think about it for a minute. What you're going through right now, God is with you. You are not alone. See, no one knows where Joseph is. Dad thinks he's gone. The brothers have lost track of him. You know, when that caravan went over the hill, that's the last time they... He's out of our hair. They don't know where he is. Nobody knows where Joseph is, but God does. God is with Joseph. And he won't leave Joseph. And he won't leave you. I read, I, I read this this week. The idea of your disappointments can't keep God from you. You hear me? 
Whatever is disappointing you doesn't keep God away. He goes, oh no, things are too difficult. I guess I'll just back away and leave you alone. No, He's right there. Look what it says here in Psalms 34. The Lord is close to those who have suffered disappointment. He saves those who are discouraged. When's God closest to me? He's close all the time. But it seems like He kind of leans in a little closer to me when I'm going through a setback, when I'm going through a tough time. Romans 8, Paul reminded the church, the church in Rome, he said these words, Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between us and and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hardships, not hatred, hunger, homelessness, not bullying threats or backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus our Master has embraced us. God wants to be close to you and God stays close to you. And when you, if you're going through something right now and you're feeling, man, I just feel like, you know, I just feel so alone right now. Even when you feel alone, God is with you. Even when you think you're alone, you're not. The psalmist says something like, where can I go where you're not? There's no mountain. There's no ocean deep enough, no mountain high enough. There's no place I can go where you're not there. You're with me. I depend on God's presence no matter where I am. No matter where you are, God is with you. Number two, I depend on God's plan no matter how long it takes. That's what Joseph does. He depends on God's plan no matter how long it takes. You know, one of the things about the setbacks of life, and maybe it's just me, but when I get disappointed in something, and I'm disappointed, something doesn't work out the way I want, That's when I begin to question the plan. I buy something and the payments are too high. Maybe I shouldn't have bought this. I buy a house. I bought a house out in the middle of, you know, I bought a house outside of town. And it was a farmhouse. It's the one we live in now. Anybody ever seen the movie Money Pit? Tom Hanks? Everything's going wrong. And I take the front porch off and I decide to burn it. And the rumor around the neighborhood was he got so frustrated he burnt the house down because it was a monster fire. I move in and, I, and Mike Kiffmeyer, I bring Mike over. I said, Mike, you look, at, look at this. And I'm, I'm taking off paneling and a hung ceiling. Look, it's beautiful plaster. And I touch it and a chunk falls off. A chunk. And then I hit it again and a piece falls off this big. And my wife looks at me and goes, what's wrong, Tim? I'm going, it's got to come off. What? Everything. Everything? Everything. And here comes Mike Kiffmeyer with a straight claw hammer. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's taking it apart like a machine, you know. And, and I kid you not, we had this, I kid you not, this much rubble on the floor. I had it covered with plastic and on our nice carpet, this much rubble. I can almost touch the ceiling because of so much rubble. And my wife sticks her head in the door and goes, Oh, I'm going home. And she goes home, or, you know, our other house. Should we have bought the house? Maybe we bit off a little more than we can chew. That's what disappointment does. It makes us question the plan, especially God's plan. Especially his plan. We really have a hard time embracing his plan when it isn't working out the way we want it to. Or as quick as we... 
I'll say, oh, hold on. I said we. I have a hard time hanging on God's plan when it doesn't work out the way I want it to. I don't know how the rest of you righteous people are doing, but that's where I'm at. When there's a glitch in the plan, when there's a glitch, it, 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 something doesn't, I start getting impatient. And when I start getting impatient, I start trying to rig with the plan. I start trying to either ditch the plan or edit the plan. Try to, try to adjust the plan a little bit. I try to do it myself. See, one of the things about Joseph, I, people really give Joseph a pass. Oh, he's such a great guy. He, you know, he's almost perfect. I, I found some stuff about Joseph. I'm going, I don't know. He brags about dreaming. That got him in trouble. He probably shouldn't have brought up a second dream, knowing the response he got from the first one. Got, got, kind of an arrogance there. He's wearing his coat saying he's going to be in charge, you know, someday. And then all this stuff goes sideways on him. And I just noticed that I think he starts second-guessing the plan because he starts to edit the plan. He starts to try to nudge the plan to get it moving because now he's in prison. It doesn't seem like anything's going right. Nothing's going forward. Nothing's going backwards, but it's not going forward. It's like he's stuck. And he's thinking, i got to find a way to nudge this plan a little bit. And so when he tells those guys, those two fellows, about their dreams and how the, what's going to happen in three days, and it does come to pass, before they leave, he says this to the cupbearer up on the screen, when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness and mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this place. I was forcibly carried from the land of the Hebrews and I've done nothing wrong to deserve to be here. See what he's done? He's trying to pull a string. He's trying to manipulate a little bit. Trying to maneuver a little bit. And that's what we do when we begin to have doubts about God's plan. God's timing. You know, uh, like J.G. Wentworth. It's my money and I want it. Yeah, I want it now. If you need cash money. And, I'm sorry. You need it now. You know, and that's what, and you know, and I go, yeah, I need it now. When God's got a plan for my life and He does have a plan for all of our lives, He has a plan. But I want it now. I don't want to go through all these setbacks. I don't want to go through these hard times. And so I can just see Joseph saying, God, you know, is this a good idea? Because nobody told me there'd be days like these. Nobody told me there'd be days. No, strange days indeed. It's a most peculiar, Mama. I don't. I won't about you, but this is not what I signed up for. And if I'd have known that I was going to, have to go through this, maybe I would have said no to the plan. How many wives have said that to their husband? Why? What are we doing in the middle of nowhere? Why did you take that road? How many fellows have you said? Why won't you do this like? My mama did. It's not working out like the way I want it to work out. And see, and listen, this is the, this is the thing we've got to understand. You and I will never know. We do not know the specific results of the plan. A lot of times we just not know how this is going to go. But we can know this. It's going to be good. We may not, you may not know the specific results of the setback you're in, but I want to reassure you, Joseph understood this, and you need to as well, that it will be good. The result will be good. So stick with the plan. Don't opt out. Don't desert the plan. You ready to opt out on God's plan? Got a little shaky for you? Got a little rocky for you? 
this is hard. I think I'm going to opt out. Listen, if you'll just hold on before you make that decision and you, you, you stick with this plan a little bit longer, God's going to reward you. Galatians 6, 9 says this, And let us not get tired of doing what is right. You ever get tired of doing the right thing? Everybody else seems to get ahead. They're ripping people off. They're lying. They're cheating. They're getting ahead. You do the right thing. It seems like it's going backwards for you. It gets tiring. You get, we say, I'm sick and tired of this happening. He says, never tire and never get tired of doing the right, what's right to him. Why? For after a while, what do you mean after a while? No matter how long, after a while, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. It's not easy sticking to God's plan. It wasn't easy for Joseph. But he depended on the plan. He kept depending on that plan, kept depending on God's promise. He was going to work things out for good, and he kept doing the right thing. What I notice about Joseph as I read about him is this, folks. He trusts God's goodness and faithfulness over what he's experiencing. You hear that? He's trusting God's goodness and his faithfulness over the bad that he's experiencing. And it pays off. It pays off big. It's years later. And Joseph, his brothers are are in front of him and he reveals himself. And look what Joseph says. So Joseph said to his brothers again, Come here to me, I beg you. Come here. When the brothers went to him, he said, I'm your brother Joseph. I'm the one you sold as a slave to Egypt. Now look what he says here, because I'm going to sneak up on you folks. He says, now don't be worried, and don't be angry with yourselves for what you did. Question, why is he saying that to his brothers? Because they're getting ready, they're going through a setback themselves. And he doesn't want them to experience the same thing. He doesn't want them to respond the same way he did when he was worried in the pit. When he was worried in the prison, I get to see Joseph going, you ever done this? You go, oh, why did I say that to my brothers? Why did I talk about this stupid dream? If I'd have kept my mouth shut, I wouldn't be in this pit. Oh, I wouldn't be in this prison. I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't be in this country. I'd be home with dad and everybody else. Oh! See, that's what we do when we give up on the plan of God. That's the results of giving up on the plan of God. We begin to worry and we get, we get, we get afraid. He says, it was God's plan for me to come here. I am here to save people's lives. He says, it's God's plan. I'm trying to figure out, when did he realize it was God's plan? You ever thought about that? When did Joseph go, this must be God's plan. This must be God's plan. This must be God's plan. Well, he must have realized that after he gets the ring and the coat from Pharaoh. Oh, it, oh, it worked out. That's what I first thought. But I'm beginning to wonder if he knew all along. Because he'd heard stories about his great-grandma not being able to have children and God working in that family. And, and, and when his dad was in the middle of nowhere in Heron and he is wrestling an angel and he sees this ladder of uh, angels going up into heaven and coming down and his, he knows that story. He talked to his dad about that very story. When he hears about, this is how God worked in your 
great-grandpa's life, in your granddad, grandma's life, how he worked in our lives, Joseph, and how he, he's going to work in yours. No wonder Joseph's talking about this dream. Dad, you've dreamed. You know what it's like. Is God working? Of course he's working, Joseph. He's always thought that. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's easy. But Joseph here says, this was God's plan for me. I'm supposed to come here. The greatest statement in this verse, I'm here to save people's lives. I want you to think about that mission statement. What are you here for? I was watching a documentary on Muhammad Ali just last week. And um, if you know anything about Muhammad Ali, he was a heavyweight champion three different times, I believe it was. And and um, he lost his, his, his belt because he refused to go to Vietnam. He wasn't about to participate in the Vietnam War. Very pol- he became a political figure, became Muslim. And everybody gave, you know, all kinds of people were giving him a hard time. And he, st- he stuck to his guns. And, and uh, however you feel about Muhammad Ali uh, over that is, is your business. But one of the things that took me was, was that he recorded every conversation he had on the phone with his children. Every conversation. When he's in Zaire fighting Foreman, he's calling his daughter up and talking to her, and it's recorded. When he's, when he's the thriller in Manila, you know, he's, he's, he's called his, when he's in Europe, visit, he's in London, where, where he is all over the United States, he, he's calling his children, and one of the, the recordings is of his daughter. He says, he says, honey, you ever thought about this? Why did God make the trees? She's four years old. Four years old. Why do you think God made the trees? Well, Daddy, God made the trees to give us shade in the summer. And He made trees to be beautiful in the fall. And He made trees for the birds and the nests. He goes, oh, that's a good answer, good answer, girl. What, why do you think He made the sun? Why do you think God made the sun? And He goes, well, He made the sun to give us, give us warmth in, in, the, in the winter and the summer, you know, and light. And we could see, oh, that's good. Why do you think He made you? I stole this idea and talked to Carmody about this during vacation. I said, why do you think he made you? And she goes, Daddy, I've thought about that. Four years old, four years old. She goes, I think God made me to help people. And he goes, here's Muhammad Ali, champion. Oh, that's a great answer. What an answer. Don't ever, never forget that God made you to help people. Why did God make you? You know, Joseph said, you know, why God's done all this? I am here to save people's lives. The Apostle Paul said, my life's worth nothing unless I proclaim the good news about the saving grace of Jesus to other other people. What a life verse. I'm here to save people's lives. This terrible famine, he, he he doesn't back up, it's bad. This terrible famine has continued for two years now, and there will be five more years without planting or harvest. So God sent me ahead of you so I can save your people in this country. It was not your fault that I was sent here. It was God's plan. God made me like a father to Pharaoh. I'm the governor over all the house and over all of Egypt. And you see... The family comes, Jacob comes, gets to see his son he thought was dead. Uh, shortly after this, they're hugging. 
they're 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 uh, rejoicing. They they go through the five years of famine and uh, and they, and they all survive it. They thrive under it. The the people of his family grows. Things are going so well, and then Jacob dies. Uh, Joseph's about a little over 50 years old. Somebody was talking about being 50, I think, earlier today. Was that somebody? Was it Dave talking about being 50? Vernon called it the youth of old age. I'm in the 60s. It's junior high of old age. I'm a mess. And, and, and here he is about 55, 54 years old, and his dad dies. And what do the brothers do? You read the story. What do they do? Oh no, now that dad's dead, he's going to kill us. You know he's going to get us back. The brothers are worried. They're afraid. Why? Because they still haven't bought into that plan. Is there a lesson here? Is there a lesson for you and I here? That as long as we keep keep Doubting the plan, not embracing God's plan, all we got left to do is worry and be afraid all the time. You want to know if, if you've got God's plan at the center of your life? Are you ever worried? Are you ever afraid? Because those are the moments you're starting to question the plan of God. Amen to that, Tim. Thank you very much, Tim. Because I know that's true. How do I know that? Because it happens to me. Whenever I get afraid, I forget God is with me. And I forget He has a plan for me. And though I may plan my course, He will direct my steps. And He will direct yours too. He's going to be involved whether you want Him to or not. So the brothers are worried. The brothers are afraid. But Joseph, he sticks with the plan. So when they come to him and go, what are we going to do? Here's what he says. Then Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I, I am not God. By the way, there's a lesson right here. I'm not God. I have no right to punish you. I want to talk about forgiveness. You and I have no right to take vengeance on anyone. Now you say, well, I don't take full vengeance. I leave room for God's wrath. Yeah, about this much. The Bible says leave room for God's wrath. You check that out. It's not that much. It's not, let God even the score. You and I do not have any business trying to get anybody back. He says, I'm not God. I have no right to punish you. It is true. You plan to do something bad to me. But really, God was planning good things. As if he's saying God was planning good things all along. God's plan was to use me to save the lives of many people. And that's what's happened. The brothers are still doubting God's plan. And they're all worried and fretting. And listen, while they're being blessed by God's plan, they're worrying. While you're being blessed by God's plan, you worry and you're afraid. So what do I do to change that? You don't ditch the plan. Stick with a plan. Depend on God's plan. Depend on His promise. Paul would say this to the church in Rome. We know, would you circle that? We know 
Now, by the way, if you circle that and you don't know that, you have no business circling that. But by circling that, you're saying, I do too. Yep. We know that in everything, God works for the good of those who love him. These are the people God chose because that was his plan. I want to ask you, he's telling the church at Rome, you know, we know this, we know this. The question is, I have to, I ask myself, do I really know this? Do I know this too? He's telling a, a church of believers, folks. He's telling people that, that made Christ their Lord. Do you, I want you to know, you can know this. You can know this. Not doubt it, not wonder about it, not be afraid of it, not be worried about it. Then in everything, God works for good in that setback. And by the way, while they're having a famine, they're eating. While Joseph's in prison, he's leading. While he's sold as a slave, he's put in charge of everything. Good is happening in the setback. You know what I'm too busy looking at? Everything that's going wrong during the setback. Hello. When God is already working. He doesn't work after it's done. He works while it's going on. And so I depend on God. I depend on His plan no matter what. Don't ditch the plan. Maybe you're thinking of opting and opting out of the plan. Maybe, maybe you've been trying to jerry-rig the plan. You're trying to finagle it, maneuver it, trying to push it. I'm learning this, from this little book. I don't know, I'm trying to figure it out. It's almost as if, if I try to manipulate the plan and try to get my fingers and my way involved in it, God sometimes will back off and let me make a mess of it. Well, you want to do it, Tim. It's almost as if God can't really get Joseph where he needs to be until Joseph finally gives up and surrenders and quits fighting what he's trying to do. You've been fighting God lately? You're ditching the plan. No, if I want to, if I want to turn a setback into a comeback, I depend on God's presence wherever it is, wherever, whatever it is, wherever it happens. And I depend on, I depend on God's plan no matter how long it takes. The third thing is I depend on God's help in every challenge. Well, I tell you, I know this is a challenging lesson. I don't know where we got the idea that Christianity is easy or it's going to be easy or make it easy. I remember one time I did a series called Pressing the Easy Button. Christianity made easy. You know when, when it's easiest? When I surrender. That's about all I, I figured out. It's still hard. But it's much more tougher when I'm fighting God and when I'm resisting God. But when I finally just surrender, that's when it gets easier, but it's still difficult. I don't know what I was thinking about that series. We want it easy, right? We want it easy. Joseph is in prison. And he's hit, by the way, he's hit with so many challenges. And here comes another one in his life. Two guys have had a dream, a cupbearer and a baker. And they're saying, we've had these two dreams. But we don't understand what we dream. We can't find anybody to, to interpret it for us. And look what Joseph says. This is how you know make, Joseph is making progress. He used to brag about his dreams. He used to talk about his dreams. Now he says, uh, God's the only one who can understand and explain dreams. You've, you've come to that conclusion? Yes, I have. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But God does. He says, so tell me your dream. And here it is in prison that Joseph is humbled. Next, next week we're talking about why me. One of the reasons I go through a setback is to be humbled. 
God holds humility very high in his, what he values. He wants us humble. And sometimes to be humbled is not just the awe of God that humbles me. Sometimes it's the awful things in life that humble me. What do they do? They remind me I don't have control like I think I do. I have to come to face to face with this undeniable truth that I need help, especially God's help, on a regular basis. I reminded what Rick Warren said. Somebody said, you use God as a crutch. And he said, he's not my crutch. He's my iron lung. Amen. And see, and depending on God's help, depending on somebody else's help, it's not easy because I want to do it myself. I think I'm strong enough. I'm, I'm still putting in glass. My son said to me the other day, man, Dad, you still got it going. We always said, I still got the touch. Well, the glass is getting bigger or I'm getting smaller. I don't know what's happening because it's harder to put that stuff in. They're heavier. And I look in, my, look in the mirror and I used to fill the mirror up. Now I a lot of space in this mirror. Well, I didn't fill it up that much. But what I'm just saying is that the, the tendons are beginning to be noticed more than the muscle. I'm losing muscle mass. I, the, my body is reminding me, Tim, you're not as strong as you think. Emotionally, my brain is reminding me, you're not as strong as you think. And spiritually, the hard stuff that's happening to me reminds me how much of a whiner, complainer I can be instead of just embracing it and letting it change me. I need help. Lots of help. And see, depending on God isn't easy and it's not instantaneous. It takes learning it. Going through setback after setback. One of the reasons, you want again, next week, why me? Because I need to know I need God. And that's how I get reminded. When someone dies... I don't even know how to process it. I'm doing a funeral for an infant tomorrow night. I don't even know how to process it. What do I say to a family that lost a baby? I've had to do three other funerals like that in my lifetime. And each time, I don't know what to say. And so what have I, you think, you know what I've been doing? I've been going, God, give me, give me the words, give me the scriptures. And he's been giving me the scriptures and the words. Oh God, help me understand how to process this thing. I can't imagine what Nick and Brittany are going through. I can't imagine it. It hasn't happened to me. You go through stuff, and there's really... Can any, who can help me? The Lord can. He'll give you the help you need, but you have to learn it. See, Joseph went from this, what have I done to bring this on, to what can I do to bring God in this? How do I bring God in this? Psalm 37 says, Depend on the Lord, trust in Him, and He will help you. And sure enough, he goes through a challenge. He doesn't even know. I can't tell you the meaning of that dream. And that's not the first one. He goes through several, and then he goes through another one. Pharaoh is having a dream. It's a dream of big, uh, seven big fat cows coming out of the Nile, and and then seven skinny cows come out of the Nile, and the skinny cows eat the fat cows, and he's going, yeah! he wakes up. <gasps> you ever woke up from a nightmare, and you're screaming or hollering, you're, you're taking your breath away. 
And he finally calms down, goes back to sleep. And then there's another one of the heads of grain. There's this grain that's appeared and some scrawny grains appear. And the scrawny grain eats the fatted grain. Ah! He can't sleep. Calls everybody together. Hey, I need help here. Anybody know what the meaning of this dream is? He's got all the smartest people around him and they're all scratching their heads. They don't have the answer. They don't know what it means. Maybe you had some, you know, bad dog or whatever you eat in Egypt. I don't know. You had something bad. Maybe that's what it was. No, no, this is real. I'm telling you something. This is. You ever had one of those dreams that just seems so real you believe it really happened? He's having one of those. Then the cupbearer goes, Oh, no, I just remembered something. What's that? Ooh, I'm in trouble. Two years ago, I had a dream. Three days before your birthday. And this guy in the prison told me what it meant. And it came out exactly as he said. What was his name again? Uh, Bill? Uh, Joseph! Joseph! Uh, I know where he's at. Go get him! He goes and gets him, brings him. The Bible says Joseph cleaned himself up. What kind of clothes he wore. And he walks up and Pharaoh says to him, I've had this dream. He explains the dream and he says, I've had a dream, but no one can explain its meaning. I've heard that you can explain a dream when someone tells it to you. And Joseph answers the king like this in Genesis 41. I'm not able to explain the meaning of dreams. God will do this for the king. He says, I don't know. I can't do that. God can. And God gives him, God gives Joseph the correct interpretation of that dream. He keeps trusting... Why? Because he keeps trusting God. Here comes a challenge. I don't know what's coming at me. I don't, I don't know how to handle this, how to process this, but I need to trust the Lord. God's going to, going to do something with this. He says, he says, you know, here's a guy who used to be, like I say, large and in charge. He had it all going for him. I'm going to be in, I'm going to be in charge of my family. And God says, no... You're dreaming too small. I'm going to put you in charge of a nation. You're going to need lots of help. And he, and he says, that's amazing. Those two years must have knocked off the rest of the rough edges of doubt and self-reliance in Joseph's life because he says, I can't, but God can. And God did. What I think is interesting here is Pharaoh has a dream. Did God give him that dream? I believe he did. God works with unbelievers, you know that, right? And he needs a believer nearby to help them. Check it out. You'll find lots of examples in the Scripture where an unbeliever God is trying to work with and God needs a believer there ready to help. And what's so what he tells him the meaning of the dream, and Pharaoh is amazed. Let's look here up on the screen here, verses 39 through 44. So the king said to Joseph, God has shown you all this. He was convinced that God gave him the answer to that. Boy, you want to give you, know, you want God to be glorified with your life, huh? Here's Joseph. Man, he's, he trusts the Lord. He depends on God's presence. He depends on His plan. He depends on Him for help. And one of the results, people see God working in His life. People see God working in your life too when you depend on these things. There's no one as wise and understanding as you are. 
I'll put you in charge of my palace. All the people will obey your orders. Only I'll be greater than you. Then the king said to Joseph, Look, I've put you in charge of all the land of Egypt. Then the king took off his, of his own finger his ring with the royal seal on it, put it on Joseph's finger. He gave Joseph fine linen clothes to wear. He gave him a beautiful robe, in other words, and a gold chain. The king had Joseph ride in the second royal chariot. Men walked ahead of his chariot calling, Bow down! Bow down! Everybody's bowing. Potiphar, are you bowing down to Joseph? Uh, yeah. Potiphar's wife, you sneaky snake. Are you bowing down to Joseph? Yeah. Wait a second. Warden in charge of the prison, you bowing down? Yeah. Cupbearer, are you bowing down? Yeah. They're all bowing down. All these people, all these people, all these different people, some of them tormentors, are now bowing down. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that kind of poetic justice, huh? They're all bowing down to him. By doing these things, the king put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. He's now Potiphar's boss. The king said to him, I'm the king, and I say that no one in the land of Egypt may lift a hand or a foot unless you say he may. Potiphar? Yeah. Stay right there. You can walk now. Thank you. What a, what a change. What a difference. This, this setback has become a comeback because Joseph depended on his presence, depended on his plan, on God's plan, and depended on God's help. Man, I know you'd like, wouldn't you like to have that, a comeback like that? It can happen when you depend on these. Right now, what is the setback you're going through? Are you depending on God's presence? You know God's there. And if He's there, are you, are you reminded of His plan? He wants to use you? Are you asking for His help? Because He sure wants to help you. You have a card that's in your bulletin. Here's your chance to respond to this lesson. You don't know what you need to be praying for. Maybe it's, I need to, I need to really think about God being with me everywhere. Not watching me like some watchdog or some spiritual Nazi. No, he's, he's wanting, he's wanting to help me. He wants to use me. Maybe it's, maybe it's, I'm under, I've forgotten his plan. I've, I've gotten away from, I've bailed on his plan. I've tried to tweak it. I've tried to change it. I've tried to maneuver through it. I'm trying to force it to happen a little sooner than maybe he wants. Or maybe it's, I, you know, I just don't talk to God about help. I think I got it. And I need to surrender that. Maybe that's what, that's what's holding back this setback from finally becoming the comeback it needs to be. Whatever it is, I pray that you'll think about this lesson. Let Joseph teach you. Let him transform you and change you. We're gonna, I'm gonna lead us in prayer and we're gonna sing a song and let you have a chance to fill out your card there, your response card for our, our prayer ministry. They'll be praying for you. And then we're gonna take up those cards. We'll sing a final song and take up those, those cards along with our regular contribution. May God bless you to depend on Him when you need him the most. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for this lesson of Joseph, Father.
Thank you for people like Joseph, Father. Father, I pray, I pray for me, Father, I pray for us. Help us depend on your presence. Some of us here feel alone. Let us see we're not alone. That your Holy Spirit is, and your presence is right there beside us, and that your, 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 the members of your body, the church, are also there to share the load. Father, I gotta tell you, there's times I've tried to, I've, I've tried to manipulate the plan. I've doubted your plan. I've tried to manipulate the plan. I, I, my impatience, our impatience just makes it almost unbearable and we want to edit and nudge and try to, try to get it moving, Father. When you're just wanting us to be still. So you can work. Lord, would you help Help all of us. Help me, Father. Help each of us here depend on your plan no matter how long it takes. And Father, we ask for your help. We are helpless. We do not have it all figured out. I don't know the the results of every setback I'm facing and I will face. All I know is I know it will be good. It will be better than anything I can come up with. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to stick to your plan and call to your help and depend on your help, whatever challenges us if it's a financial challenge, a physical challenge, an emotional challenge, if it's something to do with temptation, if it's something to do with tragedy, help us, Father, to call upon you. Remind us that when we depend on you, that you will and you promise to help us. Father, pray for Lisa as she's going through a time of loss, for Nick and Brittany as they go through a time of loss, and for the Quick family, Father. Oh, oh, Father, we love Jim and Nona so much. Please take care of them. Please take care of them. They're in your hands. And we thank you, Father, in the name of Christ. Amen.